Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Staple. Don't forget, we will very soon be separating the three shows on Hype Radio, so you will have to go and individually subscribe to those shows that you want to listen to. So search and subscribe right now to The HBR Show and Soundcheck on Hype Beast Radio or Hype Radio to keep listening. Do it now so you don't miss any episodes. Okay, let's get into this week's show. From Hype Beast and Hype Radio, I am Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. The story of James Whitner is a miracle, and it doesn't serve me to tell his story. He's had the best view. So let me step back and let him paint the picture, because it starts with a sketch of how it all began and it's unlike any other story you've heard on The Business of Hype. So without any further delay, let's go along for a ride with James Whitner of the Whitaker Group. Jeff, (laughs) you're there? Yes. (laughs) Sell me your stores. (laughs) Take them. Um, So we talking now with a very special guest in the room, flown in, literally just flew in, just hit LaGuardia, Hit the cab, came right into the studio. Who do we have? What's up? What's up? What's up with you? Uh, anything for you, man. Anything for you. It's Thanks, James man. Whitner from the Whitaker Group. Uh, thank you for having me on. Dope. Okay. James from the Whitaker Group. Yes. What is the Whitaker Group? Uh, the Whitaker Group, it's crazy because you start got it, you gotta you gotta start formalizing everything when when you've been doing this for so long, right? So it makes sense to people. Mm-hmm. So after uh it was just social status and then I'm a Minier. Once APB and Prosper came along and then Design Studio and my team went from three people to 50 people on the backside. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, I, I can't just keep saying uh, the stores, or the <laughs> team. Yeah. Like I have to formalize this and right. it has to be meaningful. Okay. But so, it is a group of retail stores. It's a group of retail stores. Um, yeah. And on the design side, I can't, I never try to leave out our team mm-hmm. uh, on the backside because we do a lot of dope creative shit on the backside. So yeah. it uh, the Whitaker group gives us, it, it's more than retail. Okay. Shit, retail is more than retail these days, right? It's, it's all being uh, redefined. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, okay. And what would you say is like the common thread between all your retail stores, if there is one? I don't know, maybe there isn't one. But. Um, streets. I think it's the edge, the street. Mm. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not formal. It's not a... Uh, I think the, the common thread is shit is me. It's our team. Yeah. I think it's uh, our perspective. It's our, it's our perspective on luxury. It's our perspective on mm-hmm. street. It's our, our perspective on sneakers. It's our yeah. perspective on, you know, Prosper is just about just doing dope shit in Jersey City. Okay. Uh, so know. it's like your perspective, but because you have different banners, it's yep. like a, a different sort of angle on each one. Yep. If, okay. you, if you think about it, right? Um if you've ever been to Amma Minier, mm-hmm. it's about like full-blown experience, right? With the hotel launching last week, for us, it, that was like kind of planting our uh, our flag in the sand, saying like, yo, we want to change the way you think about retail experience and change what you expect to get from like the boutique, right? Mm-hmm. And um, social status is about street fashion and like the young kid really like how he's evolving and helping him grow up into the Yama Minier guy, right? Okay. Uh, APB is about 
the dude who's the the, the 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 dude or the girl who's twelve, and they start discovering sneaker culture. Like my daughter, she's mm-hmm. twelve, and she's like, like dad, um, you own social status. <laughs> It took her 12 years to realize what I do for a living, right? <laughs> and she's discovering herself and she's discovering the culture. Yeah. And she's digging and she's finding these cool things. And then she comes and says, Dad, those Jordan 1s, like yours, can you get me those? Mm-hmm. Like, baby, those are from like four or five years ago. She's like, oh, now she's Googling. So it's about, APB is about that. Yeah. And Prosper is just our perspective on the world through Jersey City, right? Okay. Um, Pete, uh, the guy who used to, well, one of the one of the founding fathers of creativity, for from our perspective, on Prosper, uh, his aunt had a space in Jersey City, and we used to do photo shoots out of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he used to work on shit for us, and we used to constantly sit in that space, and it just like turned into a thing without us really trying to make it a thing. Okay, how yeah. many total doors do you have now? Seventeen. So you have seventeen stores under five different. Four. Four retail banners. Four retail banners, 17 different stores. Yep, and so you started it when? Oh, God. Started with Flavor Factory in 05. Okay. Yeah, so we, 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 we could, oof. Yeah, we can <laughs> we, go back. We're going to go back. Yeah, we're we, going to go back. We can go back. Um, and then you mentioned about 50 total employees, right? Oh, no, total employees. Guys, probably over 100. You, so when you start 50, 50 on the back office side. Okay. Uh, that runs our DC warehouse, creative studios, studios in Atlanta, uh-huh. studios in Charlotte, um, the retail team. So you're over 100? Yeah, definitely over 100. What, what cities are all the stores in? 13 cities. You got Pittsburgh, D.C., Raleigh, Greensboro, Charlotte, Tampa, Tallahassee, Jacksonville, um, Columbia, Charleston, Houston. And just for those who don't see this, James has his eyes closed right now, looking <laughs> up like you can see he's got a U.S. map like in a thought bubble above his head. <laughs> no, no, seriously, we got one in our office with like pins and with shit. pins and shit on. Like that's a that's a that's a thing. But you have trouble like it's getting to the point where you have trouble recalling everyone. Oh, man, like like somebody will reach over and be like, "Yo, Jay, what's the anniversary date of APB Columbia?" And I'm like, I used to just be able to. Just mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, we opened it at three o'clock and yeah. the, the weather was like this. <laughs> right, right. Now it's like, yo, let me, let me look it up. Let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Well, we're going to go back because I think, um, you know, there's a lot of successful people in the industry nowadays. And a lot of them come from maybe like money or pedigree of retail or like, you know, sort of had like family in it or something. But you have a very, I would say, you know, from what I've heard in other interviews, like a non-traditional introduction into the business, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit before you even had a notion of opening a retail store. Okay. What was life like for James back then? Oh man, I was a kid in the projects with a, with a dream, just, just trying to find a way out. Mm. I was, uh, you know, like so many other kids that you see in neighborhoods across America, man, I was a uh, poor mom, poor dad, just mm. trying to help me help figure it out. In what city is this? Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, Whitaker Projects, if you, if you, if you catch, oh. if, if you catch, if you catch the hook down. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, I was a kid just, you know, running around trying to figure it out, playing a lot of basketball, uh-huh. uh, aggressive, trying to stay out of trouble, but always fighting and trying to, you know, trying to, trying to make my mark, I guess. Yeah. Were you successful at staying out of trouble? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> As a as a younger man, uh, 
as a younger man or a, or a, or a late teen, mm-hmm. man, I just was very aggressive. I think it was I think it was probably a lot of pent up anger. But now you're like, I feel like there's a Zen peacefulness with you. Yeah, man. When you've seen what I've seen and been through what I've been through, you got to kind of. I'm thankful, man. This is I'm living a dream. So ten year old James was not this dude like at all. Oh no, ten year old James, ten ten through twenty one year old James, <laughs> man, shh, dude's trying to blow my head off. Really? Oh yeah, that was that was that's that's the life. That's the life, and not part of the world. So you were really you weren't just like how people say well, I was in the streets. Like you were actually running oh, in those streets. No, it wasn't a game. Mm-hmm. Like I got it. If, if if you've if you've ever seen me in shorts, yeah, you can see the wounds in my legs. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's not something that I would ever glorify. And now mm-hmm. I look back at that part of myself and realize that I was, um, I was glue. Um, what do you mean by that? You were glue. I mean, I was uh, the only opportunities I had was the opportunities that I seen in front of me. Uh-huh. At 16, I tried to get a job at a grocery store multiple times. And it took me to probably, I was 30 something to realize the fact that I was probably missing my front tooth. My, my hair was halfway down my back. And I was wearing blue dickies and I probably looked like I was going to rob the place from that perspective why they wouldn't give me a job. Wow. But as a 16-year-old, really trying to just trying to figure out and trying to figure out how to do the right things before I was starting to make, I, before I decided to make wrong choices, I tried to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the bad choices, I'm not going to say, because, you know, everybody got a choice. I could have went out and shined shoes, right? Right. But I took. I, I chose a different path. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I just, you know, yeah, chose the corner. Right. Uh, so, and that was like because it was maybe the only choice you had. You felt I felt like it was the. It was a. I'm not going to say it was a comfortable option because for years I fought it. Um, I sold weed in the summertime. I played basketball. Uh-huh. If, if, if you was in my projects, you 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 remember me with a basketball. I played basketball during the school year, and in the summertime, I sold weed. And I would sell weed to just make sure I was at least at par. I could put, you know what I'm saying? Me and yeah. my little brother, we had food. I got an older brother. He's finishing the back half of 20 years now. And he, he Right took, now as we speak? Right now as we speak. He's still being punished for things he's done. Okay. He, he comes home in 2000, into 2022, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just not like, man, we, we start having that conversation. It's, it's cousin. I got a cousin that came home from federal penitentiary last month yeah like this is this is a this is a real part of my life yeah so like do you ever think that if you stayed on that corner if you stayed on those streets you'd be right with your brother i'd be or dead yeah 100 percent. did you ever go in oh yes yes uh i served uh in my early 20s really yeah okay yeah i mean listen bro it's it's not a life that i would ever uh if I had to, I, I, I tell the youngins in my office all the time, if I got to talk to the old me, there's so many different things I could say. Mm-hmm. And I even get those chances, right? I just had to go home to a youngin that came up under me and he got shot in the head and thrown on the side of the road. And I, it's like, it hurts so bad. And I think I've been through so many uh, deaths and funerals. And yeah. they are, those kids are the old version of me. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah. What do you say? Right. What I'm doing seems impossible. Yeah. To even me. Like my, my <laughs> brother, my brother said it to me. My brother, real mother, real brother. Yeah. Same mother, same, same father mm-hmm. told me he thought I was crazy. Yeah. 
Like you're lying. You're fabricating your life right now that you're no, living. No, 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 not the life that I live. The fact that I would even be able to accomplish it. Where we come from, this shit don't happen. I know. It's like, it's so far from that reality. Oh, man, I, st- man, I thank God every day. But the fact that the way you even say, like, this kid I knew got shot in the head. Like, it's the way you say it is just like, oh. like kind of normal for you. Like, um, whose song is that? All my friends are dead. Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> who's No, who it's is a that? New, I don't know. That's Mac. That's Mac Miller, right? Is, is it? it? Let's Google that. Okay. <laughs> but. That's my reality. Uh-huh. Like, I don't have any childhood friends. Most of them are gone. Wow. Uh, you know, there's ones that I could count. But if you start if you start thinking about the dudes from around my way, mm-hmm. the ones that are most close to me, yeah, D.C., Snoop. I mean, I could just name. Yeah. I could sit here. I could, I could, start, I could start naming. They just. When did you realize I need to put my, like, get myself out of the situation? I was laying in a hospital bed shot. Okay, that'll do it. <laughs> I mean, so you were you were a victim of it too. Oh man, ain't no running. Uh, I never forget it. The short, my friend Tone, who's now dead. Uh, Tone had an altercation with some guys, and uh, me and my friends, my friend Snook, who is now also dead. Um, I seen altercation. Mm-hmm. So immediately, these are my friends. Yeah. It's, it's fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Ain't no running. Yeah. So I jump straight in. Mm-hmm. And we going and we going and we going. And next thing I know, I remember my brother making sure you know, I was good, sitting there calling the ambulance because they were still at it even once I was shot. They were still at it. So he was just making sure I was good. And I remember. Uh, you don't even remember the moment that it happened? I remember. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was beating the shit out of somebody. Okay. <laughs> like they, they was, he shot me to get me off of somebody. Um, I'm, 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 I'm banging at him. I'm over top yeah. of him, banging at him, banging at him. And I seen it and I heard the first shot. He shot me four times, five times. What? So I heard the first pop, pop. Now, I ain't paying no attention, but my adrenaline's going. Yeah. It's the last shot that caught me. Straight in my thigh. It hurts to this day. Wow. Um, what were the first three hit? Legs, through and through. And it was the guy that you were on top of? That? No, the guy was to my left. Oh, okay. His homie. His homie. And I think they thought, because they, they had us. There was about 25 of them. There was about five of us. Holy shit. And we come from a small project, so mm-hmm. we get it in. Like uh-huh. the dudes that I came up with, there ain't no sucker in none of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we getting it in. Okay. And the dude to get me off of him, he could have killed me. Yeah. And I'll give you a better one. The next week, the dude who shot me, he's in for murder from that next week. So, wow. I mean, like the circumstances of, of this, when yeah. you start, when you start like peeling back the layers. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it just, it's just crazy. Right. Yeah. Cause he wasn't shooting your, at your leg to get you off. He was shooting no, 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 to no, no, kill no, no, you. No, 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 no. I would, I would say he was trying to get me off. Cause if he wanted, if he wanted to, all he had to do, I'm six, four, he had to be aiming down. But then the next week he killed somebody. Oh, that's probably, cause that was probably his aim. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, and listen, I can't, I yeah. can't tell you, I can't tell you his intent, right? But that's crazy that the guy who shot you the next week went away for murder. Yeah, it's even more ironic. My cousin actually got picked up. For that. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, my cousin, my cousin, ironically enough, looks like that guy. And <laughs> oh, and got picked up in like mistake. thinking it was by mistake, thinking it was him. Wow. Yeah, it's just, the world's just small, man. It's just funny. All right, so you wake up and you're in up. a hospital bed. No, I was conscious the whole time. I never went out, but that, that plays to your head, right? Mm-hmm. 
because now between that and um, my kid's mother, who is my best friend and ex-wife, um, she was also really struggling with how she was struggling with parts of our relationship, I think, because even though I wasn't in the streets, I'm, you know, you are who you are and mm-hmm. you're from where you're from. Mm-hmm. And my friends, you know, my friends in Pittsburgh was going to always be my friends. Yeah. That wasn't going to change. Right. I, what am I going to do? Stop me. Like what? I'm never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. I divorce you guys. Yeah. I divorce where I'm from. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Right. Right. So it was me like literally laying in bed, like having to like do a self-evaluation of myself. I I probably been home from jail for about a year mm-hmm. and I'm laying there and I'm thinking like, and then even DC, if you look at, if you look at the quote on the wall on the DC store, mm-hmm. that quote is about a time when um, I was sitting on my couch and I was having a conversation with him and uh, he just kind of called me out like, man, I thought you said you was getting out of here. Cause mm-hmm. he, he was in jail while I was in jail, mm-hmm. different case. But uh, he came home and he like kind of was like, yo, man, you got to, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. if you look at, if you look at my history around, like I actually went to college. I graduated, I got indicted my senior year of college. And um, I always made different choices. I played ball. So most of my friends dropped out of high school. Most of them didn't make it into high school. Most of them dropped off at eighth grade. The mm-hmm. rest of them, whoever didn't drop out in eighth grade probably dropped out in ninth. But I stayed in high school. And yeah. I stayed playing ball and I kind of, you know, focused on school. Mm-hmm. Enough smarter guy can could school wasn't was never that difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So if I applied myself, I could do well. Yeah, and I decided to go. I decided to go to school. Um, I tore my ACL in my junior year of high school, so I stopped playing ball. It's kind of when I start getting the streets. Uh-huh. And then you fast forward. Um, I went to college and I came home from came home from jail and went back to finish my degree because uh-huh. I felt like I owed it to myself. And then I came back to Pittsburgh, and that's when that, the conversation happens. Really? And that's the conversation that's on my wall. Wow. So it was between getting shot, uh, conversation with DC and Denitra that made me have to really sit down and think, like, got to do something different. Yeah. This can't be it. I mean, at that point in your life, there's really only two choices. You either keep going down that rabbit hole. Absolutely. Or you just... Snap hey, out of it and climb I mean, out of it. I'm right? laying there. Think about it, right? Yeah. What I wanted to do to the man, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do to the man, what I'm programmed at the time to do to the man who shot me is very different than what I would do today. Right? Yeah. And I, probably all your crew was like, Yo, oh, once absolutely. you get out, we're going. Once I get out, what are you talking about? They was booting up while I was there. <laughs> like, them dudes ain't, this ain't, this ain't like, you know what I'm saying? Dudes don't. That ain't something people take lightly. There's people who love people, mm-hmm. right? It's not like dudes. It's not like dudes is just going to let their see see something happen to somebody. Uh-huh. So literally, like these dudes is coming in and talking to me. And I said to myself, like, man, once the situation is over and it passes, yeah, I'm out. Right. I said it to my brother. He was like, cool. Like it was never... You know what I'm saying? And was it that point really you were out or was it like a lingering sort no, of trend? It, it, was it did not linger. <laughs> it was like, I've always been as late, like when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm focused on something, mm-hmm. I'm focused on it. Like even now, if you look at how, if people who work, who've worked with me in the business, yeah. I kind of like, I'm, I'm tenacious in that way. Mm-hmm. Once I lay, once, once you ask me to do something or I lock in on something, I'm not letting it go until it's, you know, yeah. 
till it's finished. So up until this point, were you, I mean, obviously you're known for your business now and sort of everything that encompasses that. Were you already back then like the most well-dressed, stylish guy, most up on arts and culture guy? You know what? I think for my crew, because I come from Pittsburgh, right? So I can't act like no, no knock to my city. It's a Midwest city, but it's not looking back now. Mm-hmm. I was a very fat, I was the kid wearing uh, academic jeans, mm-hmm. American Cup Pradas uh-huh. with some with some dope ass polo, cool polo shirt. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So that was that was my fly. And if you you going back to 2000, 2001, but I was always I was always very different. Uh-huh. I always uh, uh, cared about like the appearance. Oh, man, fresh. You know, I think I think that's a I think that's a, a street thing. Mm-hmm. I think I think kids who come from those neighborhoods, yeah. it's just like you know, being fresh is like a thing. Right. So for me back then, absolutely, I was much more flamboyant as a younger man than I am as a as an adult. Like the black that you see me in most of the time yeah. is just like the toned down version <laughs> of who I was is in my late teens and early twenties. How about kicks back then? Oh, you know what? The secret, I mean, obviously, you know, Jordan this, Jordan that. But for me, it was uh, discovering that Louis Vuitton made sneakers uh-huh. and Prada made sneakers. And you were trying to get your hands on them and you, oh, you were rocking them? Oh, trying to. I was, I still got, I, I got bins that, that <laughs> Joe and Kamaya in my warehouse right now want me to throw. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, the, 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 yeah, like. Oh, so you were already like. Oh, I knew searching, what, hunting. Knew what I, the business plan from when I was uh, I wrote the business plan for Flavor Factory when I was um, locked up. Oh wow! And I knew, I knew, I knew, I always knew what I wanted to do. Which is your first store, Flavor Factory is yep. your first store. Flavor Factory is my first store. And in when you were locked up, you wrote the business plan for that. I, wrote the, I typed it. Wow! When a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. That's how you know you got time on your hands. Right? <laughs> Holy shit! That's dope. Yeah, that type and then it. and then after you came out of the hospital, you were like, "I'm going to do this now." Yeah, I mean, I came out the hospital, um, and I knew I knew I owed it to myself. I couldn't run from everything that was happening, so I had to make sure that I got squashed. Once that got squashed, um, yeah, it was time to go. I'm a firm believer in the policy of no excuses. And being an entrepreneur will give you a million opportunities to find a good reason not to do something. But those who find success and persevere, set goals, show up, and hold themselves accountable. James knew he needed something bigger than a change. His circumstances were extraordinary, and he dug deeper than anyone I know could imagine to avoid the million excuses he could have made, and he made a commitment to change his life. From a hospital bed to a prison cell, to sitting in front of a typewriter. I don't know if I've seen many greater examples of someone who made absolutely zero excuses. Did you have fear of starting your own business? No. Really? Not even a little bit scared. Not of the failure, but of what other people would think. No? Well, that's the reason why you go and do it. I mean, I could have done it in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. And then I'd have probably got indicted. Oh, you left. I left. Oh, okay, okay. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I moved. Yeah. Like, no. You felt like you had you couldn't do it in Pittsburgh. No. Why? It just because I mean, look, look of look. You are your reputation, right? Yeah. Right. And look what mine's was. Mm-hmm. It's not something now. Like, obviously, I'm 
I had to go through what I had to go through to get where I needed to go. Yeah. But when you look back, you can't exactly be proud of a lot of those moments, mm-hmm. right? And you can't erase history like that. No. Yeah. And you got to realize what part, like the biggest thing going back to the dude that just, uh, going back to Bud, I keep saying the dude and not saying his name. But the thing that hurt me most about his funeral is because uh, that dude looked up to me, mm-hmm. right? And what did I help put in him that made him believe that he needed to do the things that he was doing? Regardless of what I said to him in the last five years and I changed my life over the last 15, 16, 18 years, right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, I got to be accountable and responsible for some of the things that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He may have seen us do, yeah, right? And how, how he may have chosen to, to live his life. And obviously, that's a thought that I have today because now I'm, now I'm thinking and I'm holding myself a lot more accountable for a lot of the things that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like even though, it's not my fault how we came up and it's not my fault. Uh, you know, we was all born into these situations and right. we all born with each other and we just all trying to make it. Yeah. And all we got is each other, mm-hmm. right? But I got to now sit back and have some level of accountability to some of these dudes, mm. especially the ones that was around when I was around. Yeah. Right? But you can, like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can't now go back and- Oh, it's all, impossible. Yeah. I mean, even, hey, listen, I could also say on the other side, but wouldn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Right. The end. Yeah. He would not. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If he was alive today, he would tell you he wouldn't listen to me. Right. So, I mean, that still doesn't make it hurt less. Totally. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, but talking of going back to you leaving, you went from Pittsburgh to where? I went from Pittsburgh to Charlotte. Okay. I hear a lot. One of the, one of the things that I hear a lot on this show from people who call in with questions is like, maybe not as an extreme of a case as you, but something is awry in their hometown that they can't, they feel like they can't succeed in their hometown. And they're like, should I move or should I make it work here? I mean, Pittsburgh is a dark place, man. Mm. It's just changing now. And if I was, if I was from somewhere different, it could be different, mm-hmm. right? But looking at where I'm from and how it is, I had to leave. Yeah. I had no choice. Right. I had to leave for just tons of other reasons. Like if you just count the number of deaths between the day I left and afterwards. Yeah. Right. It was just tons of reasons for me not to live. Take the streets out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I could, walk a, I could walk a straight path. Cool. I could, at that point, I've been out the streets for years, right? Yeah. But my friends are still going to be my friends. Yeah. And I can't control their actions. Right. You're, right. you're and, down by association regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, can go to, you can go to jail for saying the wrong thing on the telephone. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah. So for me, it was just about trying to figure out how to separate myself so I could focus and concentrate on what I wanted my future to be. Mm-hmm. And pack it all up. Yep. 704, I come. Okay. So now you get there and you already had Flavor Factory in your head, your first store. Yep. Right. How yep. did you get the means to do this? Like, how'd you get the funds? <laughs> smirk. He's uh, smirk. <laughs> uh, let me guess. Let me guess, though. You didn't walk into Bank of America and get a small business oh, loan. Man, that doesn't happen. <laughs> that doesn't. Yeah, that, that really doesn't, doesn't happen. happen today. 17 stores in. Yeah. Yeah, like. <laughs> When's the last time you heard one of our counterparts say, yeah, I just wanted to be of A and they gave me money for yep. uh, That don't happen. You're right. No such thing. But no, like I've, uh, when I got home, when I came home, I decided to start doing real estate. Okay. And I still do it to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, when I left, I had seven rental properties. So what I'd done was I took some money out of one of the rental properties mm-hmm. and finessed it into the stores. 
Do you remember how much you had to start with when you opened the first store? Oh man, I went to, I had, uh, I think all in, I think, oh, fucked up so much money. <laughs> <laughs> just, you just, you just don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was probably around a hundred thousand. Oh yeah? Yeah. For the, a, for the Flavor Factory? Yeah. That's I, a lot. I, I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> And what were you carrying? Whoa, 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 whoa. And the funny part about it is, right, because here's this picture. You got a little, this is the real story. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a place to live. This is real. You went to Charlotte without a place to live. I went to Charlotte and found an apartment up the street from the store. <laughs> okay. This, now that I see it, that I've been in Charlotte for 14 years, is probably the equivalent to the trap. I had an air mattress on the floor and a TV, uh-huh. no cable, and my clothes there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, and then now you're going to open a store and you don't have your own brand. So you're, you got to go out and get brands for your store. Yeah. And remember, this is 2001, no, not 2004, 2004, 2005. Yeah. You can't just DM a brand and be like, yo, what up? No, it's a different time. (laughs) And this is at the, if you got to think, this is right at the top of streetwear. Mm -hmm. Because if you think what happened was, boom, I come in and I'm, I spent most of the money on buying apparel from jobbers because I thought, I'm from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. I thought my store needed to look like this because my pers- I, I'd never seen yeah. it. Right? Your reference is Pittsburgh stores. Yes, my yeah. reference is only Pittsburgh right. stores. So slat wall. Wait, you mean you hadn't seen Colette yet? <laughs> <laughs> no Colette. <laughs> yeah, like no, 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 no Japan. Right. No, 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 even at the time, Nothing up here. The only thing I and I've been to the city, uh-huh. but there's two. I'm, I'm seeing two things in the city. I'm seeing Louis Vuitton, yeah, and I'm seeing 125th. Mm-hmm. That was my New York world, right? Right. Like so, for me, it was like we got 125th. Yeah, you know what I'm saying it's like good. it's good enough. Yeah, this is this is this is what I thought. You know. Wow. So, my man uh, Chris D had a store in Atlanta years before. He had made the he had made the dive and left and went to Atlanta to do mortgages and then you know got into a clothing store. I, I, can, I can't even really remember the story. He took he takes me to America's Mart. Mm-hmm. Meets who is probably my best friend to this day. Meets Antoine Freeman. First day, boom, smack dead into him. Uh, he's the rep for Azori at the time. Okay, Azori Denim. Azori Denim. Yep, he's the rep for Azori Denim. I write an order and tried to pay for it. <laughs> I had no clue. Really? Zero clue. Like you wrote an order and just tried to pay for it. Wrote an order, tried to pay for it. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 it doesn't work. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't man, work like that. And, and, and what he said next was key. And it, yo, listen, take my number. I'm going to help you. <laughs> That's so dope. Because <laughs> you're going to need some. Right. <laughs> so dope. <laughs> And no, seriously, for the next probably, uh, let me see, this is 05, 04, 05. So for the next three years, every night when I closed the store, I probably would talk to Hutch for three hours. Mm. And he would just give me game, give me game, give me game. Now, got a business degree, graduated with honors. Mm -hmm. Um, You or him? Me. Okay. Um, so I understand business, but yeah. retail is but very, retail buying. very different. Yeah. And I understood the brands, but very quickly, I, I came in the business thinking of thinking about Rockaware and Sean John mm-hmm. on one side yeah. and then Prada and Louis Vuitton on the other side. There was no middle uh-huh. where I came from. Okay. Right. 
Antoine came in and gave me all the context for the middle. Okay. It's like, yo, there's, you know, there's 10 deep and mm -hmm. there's this staple. Mm -hmm. There's these, these, you know, there's these things yeah, that yeah. they're happening in the world. And then Tokyo is this and it's influences this and he's giving me all this game. And mm -hmm. then there's, you know, this Pharrell and Billionaire's Boys Club. And there's this guy, Nico and Bathing Ape. And there's all of these things. And I'm like, oh. Wow, he's giving you a crash course. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, so now my juices is gone. But mm -hmm. keep in mind, I can't go nowhere because I'm still on federal federal probation. So I get, <laughs> ain't like I could just jump up and go to Japan. Yeah. Right. So. And you're probably still sleeping on that mattress on the floor. <laughs> Absolutely, right? So, you know, solving uh solving at the same time, you know, getting my getting my life together in Charlotte. Yeah. While at the same time building a business. So the first store at Flavor first year at Flavor Factory was really a wash. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. It was really me just It was like a, a school, like yes. night school. It wasn't it was school. Yeah. Flavor Factory was me going to school and just Grinding and learning, yeah, and like learning and building, and then you know, I look up, I look up at the top of 06, mm -hmm. and my mix is Schmack at the time, it's uh, Ten Deep, it's Ivizu, it's uh, LRG, mm -hmm. it's uh, Nike. Okay, you got a Nike it's sneaker a, account. Yep, it's Adidas. Okay, it's you know, I'm like, oh, and it's doing well, profitable. You know what, retail. Profitable for retail. Yeah, I guess retail's profitable if you're not out of business, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you you understand this, I right? Do. Yeah, yeah. You understand this all well because mm -hmm. it's turning, right? Yeah, it's, it's you're turns. spending on 15 months ahead, whatever. Yes, yeah. it's turns, right? So as long as you could take care of yourself, and at that point it was just myself, mm -hmm. right? Like there was uh, my was I, I wasn't even engaged at the time, mm -hmm. right? So so in in North Carolina it's just me and Denitra. Denitra's in Duke getting her MBA. And I'm in Charlotte, just kind of like doing my thing. Yeah. Right? Like just figuring it out. Did your previous life help anyway in retail? Oh, hell yes. I mean, it taught me how to grind. Yeah. Um, business acumen and turns. What do you mean by turns? The, the turns of product? Turns of product. Because it's the same in the previous life? Yes. And, and it's, it's. You have product, you got to move through the inventory. And if it's right? bad product, yeah. you got to get rid of the bad product as fast as you can <laughs> to get to some money to get back to good product. Mm. It's turns. Yeah. And the faster you learn the turns, the better. Right. Right? So, you know, retail inventory is spoiled. Inventory is bananas. It's not gold. Right. right? Bananas mean like it's like produce. Yes, exactly. Right. The best way to think about yeah, inventory in our business is literally it's produce. Mm -hmm. So it, once you start like once you put it out on the shelf, it kind of starts to spoil. Yep. Because <laughs> if the consumer, if the con you know like I know. You get net 30, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to read on an apparel in five to six days. Once yeah. you get two weekend, once you get a weekend through, you know what you got. Uh -huh. if, yeah. if the consumer, if, if especially now, if you had bad weather and people couldn't get through the door, right. but once your key guys get through the door and lay their eyes on something, you know if they love it or hate it pretty fast. Yeah, it's very so, rare that in the fourth week, all of a sudden it just, the sales go. Like no, it, yeah. yeah, you know that's, it's, no, you're stuck. You right. know you're stuck by week three. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's, it's like produce, it's like bananas. Yes, it's, yeah. like, it's like bananas. But yeah, it was, it was school. Yeah. And then I, you know. How about, how about um, dealing with, you know, you talk about the product and the business, but how about like relationships and dealing with, you know, you went from dealing with a guy on the corner to like an Adidas sales rep. Well, no, it's the same. It's the same? Because um, I didn't have to deal with the guy on the corner that much, let's say, in my whole life. Okay. So I think when you're talking to, I think the, the, 
Think more Stringer Bale than the guy on the corner. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. Because I think when you start thinking about uh, the thing that, that makes me sad about uh, the streets is most of the guys who really do well in the streets can do it exceedingly well in business. Mm. They just don't understand how to get out of their own way and to be vulnerable and start all over. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so, but speaking to the consumer, speaking to the consumer is, uh, it's the same because A, you got to treat them with respect, right? Yeah. B, you got to listen to them, mm-hmm. right? And C, you have to add value. They have to feel like you add some value to them also. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And once you master that, you ding, got them hooked. Yeah. You got them. Yep. Right? Listening is letting you know what they need. Mm-hmm. If you listen, if you, if you listen well enough, yeah. you, you understand their needs. And if you can, you can communicate what you stand for and why, mm-hmm. and how it's supposed to look, especially through apparel. And if you look at if you look at my career and what I've done, it's been mainly through the lens of apparel because there isn't much differentiation in sneakers. Yeah, there's you know there's there's tiered strategies, mm-hmm. right? But there isn't much differentiation. Shoes are shoes. Yeah, but apparel. Accessories, mm-hmm. books, yeah, the uh, lifestyle of it, like lifestyle that, yeah. of it is what really shifts the tone of what something is. Exactly, contemporary to luxury to street to yeah. urban. The yeah. secret in retail is that, like, you know this too. Like, you make a lot of money on the footwear, yes. but the apparel and everything else is what differentiates you from other stores. Otherwise, you're ju- you could just be like dry ride. Oh, <laughs> like exactly. You're just a shoe store. One hundred percent. That the, the apparel is your personality. Yeah. It's your spin. And and, and now I'm sure we'll today mm-hmm. it's about the experience. Yeah. And it's about what you put into your stores. And we talk talk to my team our and our team, we talk a lot about smell and yeah. feel and vibe. Yep. And, we have meetings about scents. Yes. Like the candle. What's your candle yeah, you gonna Yes, get? <laughs> like what is it? Like how does this make you feel? Like mm-hmm. how did you close your eyes and walk in the store? <laughs> How did you feel? Uh-huh. Like, did you hear it? Could you feel the store? Like it's 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 a different thing yeah. now, right? It's well, romanticizing the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Let's, those of us who care, care about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think when a lot of people say like retail's dead, it's those people that don't care about those details. Yeah, it's the people who just want money. Mm-hmm. The nineties was a uh, the nineties was cheating. Nineties yeah. was. Uh, uh, Rocket Rail, eighty million, eighteen months. Uh-huh. Like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, that. It was just money, hand over fist. Right, all, right. All, you know, all those things. Now, you got to work hard, and there aren't there aren't any more hundred million dollar mm-hmm. brands. Those, yeah. those days are over. Yeah. LR, LRG was the, the last, last one, the last one. Yeah, right. So now it's a it's a different thing. The consumers choosing differently. The barriers are breaking down, mm-hmm. broken down. Um, guys who used to look like skaters are now fucking really like street guys and yeah and sh- black guys who you think are from the hood are really like fashionistas fashionistas <laughs> they could be luxury guys yeah. you don't you don't know who is who you yeah. got 21 savage on the runway you got virgil as the creative director of louis vuitton like mm-hmm. what's up is down yeah that makes sense yep the new world is just very different volumes of learning here from james In almost any kind of business, you'll find a lot of stale thinkers, an endless cycle of business people who commit to one single angle and ride it all the way into the ground. James is someone who refuses to rest on what historically would count as knowledge. Because James got his degree in business, but he got his master's in the streets. And his reference library is a near infinite catalog of pain and struggle. But the true secret to his success 
is that even with all that, he's always learning and refusing to rest on his past. The analogy we spoke about here with the bananas, it's not only hilarious, but it's also 100% true. And I hope you out there listening got something out of that one. So to add to that, you can start a retail operation or any business for that matter and only be getting part of the game plan right. The important thing is that you're out there actually doing it. It's the intention to start that's the real first step. Then, the willingness to evolve and listen to your audience. These first actions together make all the difference in the world. So with F- Flavor Factory, did you add an- another banner after that or you closed Flavor and so then what happened, the So what happened was is I get to 2007 and I can start to travel again. Get my passport back, first place I go to, Tokyo. Why? Because of the it's stories the, that you heard? It's the epicenter of this shit. I don't care what no one says. You got, you got Tokyo and you have, you have Paris is becoming different now. Yeah. Old Paris is very, Paris 2012 is very different than Paris 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but old Paris and uh, still current Tokyo and uh, Milan. I, and, and for some of the people, you're from old New York, right? Yeah. So you would say old New York, right? Mm-hmm. Like all those when you get a chance to really like tap into that yeah. and you get a chance to feel it and see it, and that shit changes you, yo. Uh-huh. It changes your perspective. It changes how you view this shit. Yeah. If you love it, it makes you excited. If you, when you sit down at, um, when you sit down at a boutique and you experience a real shopping experience mm-hmm. from someone who thought about everything you would do from touching, from the moment you touch, no, from the moment you look left yeah. to go into their store <laughs> to you touching the door, uh-huh. when every step is planned out in their mind. Yeah. Like, man, once you experience that, man, there's no going back from that. Yeah, I feel like I tell every person who's got a creative bone in their body, save up every penny and go to Tokyo. Yes. If you don't go to Tokyo, you're missing out on your, your PhD. You're missing it. Yeah, you're missing it. Indeed. You're not seeing the zenith of it. Antoine Freeman was the professor for my bachelor's degree. My passport was my MBA. Mm. It gave me, I had a base coming in. Hutch took the time to really build, built, built, and built and just work and talk to me. And then um, I got out and started seeing the world to your point, Tokyo and then New York. Yeah. Because it was, it, before it was Paris, it was New York. It was Tokyo, New York. And mm-hmm. then the shift happened. Mm-hmm. And now, shit, like you said, I came home at looking at Flavor Factory, like, yo. You just wanted to shut it down. <laughs> You're like, like yo, I, I, need to I can't even like remodel this shit. I gotta like, <laughs> oh, like the brand mix was right. Well, you must know this. When you come back from Tokyo, there's like a depression. Yes. Right? You get, I call post Tokyo depression. <laughs> you get, you go one. to the airport and you go in the taxi and you're like, I need to go back to Japan right now. <laughs> yes. You, 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 man, it, it was, it was, how do I pivot, right? Yeah. Then you open your store and you're like, okay, what? <laughs> yeah. How That's, do I get my team to do that bow every time a customer yes. comes in? Like, and they're like, nah, fuck you. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> they don't even, man. They, they, you come back, tell them about Tokyo. They're looking at you like, man. I'll tell you a funny story. So I came back from Tokyo once and I had reach base at the time. And you know, in Tokyo, they have that little piece of tape and they tape the top of the shopping bag all the time, right? Yes. So I'm like, all right, I bought this tape for you guys. Every time you close a bag, you gotta put the tape on top, right? And then I would like secretly sit back and look. No one's putting the tape on it. They're using the tape to like tape other <laughs> shit up. And I'm like, no, this is for the shopping bag. May God kill me now. I did the same exact thing. Really? 
Yes. You got the little tape for the shopping bag? I got, the, I got the little logo tape yep. things with the, then I tried to get the receipt holder. The little like, pad, like, yeah. Like the little pad, yeah. you, and then the one that goes in your bag and holds the receipt. Like, come on, man. It's, 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 it's Tokyo syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> I came home from Tokyo and was like, yo, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm, okay. I got to figure this out. All right. So, the, well, after 07 came 08, and we all know what happened in 08. Mm-hmm. Recession. Yep. Recession hit. Um, which was actually, in hindsight, really good for me because it reset me because I, I had all the, I had, I had the information now, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it forced, like, it sort of expedited you to reset. Yep. Okay. It, it forced a change. Yeah. Um, and I came out of it swinging um, with social status. Okay. I sat down with my homeboy, Pal, who had worked, uh, worked with, uh, who is what is now in the foundation, and Fun, oddly enough, them, that foundation of people are like the core of my like friendship. Mm-hmm. I, you know, them as the dudes to this. That's my dinner tonight. Yeah. You know, after you dinner with Hutch and Ari, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we sat. I sat in with Pal and we designed some jeans. <laughs> and in my during my Tokyo trip, I, I mean, I stayed. I like took bullet trains around the country. I was uh-huh. like, I went to go find factories. Wow. I want to go see where jeans are made. I want the whole nine yards. Uh-huh. So I start making some jeans. Yeah. Made a, uh, then I realized how expensive Japanese denim was in Japan versus Hong Kong. And the entrepreneur in me was like, hmm, let me get this Japanese denim and have it sold in Guangzhou. <laughs> see what I can come up with. Right. And bam, it hit. Yeah. I started selling social status jeans in Flavor Factory. Okay. And um, I think I ran through about uh, close to, thousand pairs of them nice and realized like i think i know what i need to do next okay change this whole thing to social status mm-hmm. and at the time i was thinking like be vertical yeah right it was 2000 um 2009 and 10 at the time and i'm thinking be be vertical do mm-hmm. social status and that's it yeah but my capacity i'm, I'm, I'm saying all these things because you know well, once you're educating and you know, mm-hmm. now you're trying to explain to other people what you want to do and they're looking at you like your head is spinning. Yep. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Because they weren't on the bullet train with you in Okayama. <laughs> yes. And, and they didn't see what you seen yeah. and experience what you experienced. Right. So they're looking at you now like you're an alien. Mm-hmm. Like, man, focus on something. Yeah. What you going to do? <laughs> you're a What are you? Remember? Because if you remember back then, today you can be everything. Mm-hmm. It's expected of you to be everything. Yeah. But back then when I was trying to be everything, mm-hmm. like, James, you can't do that. Yeah. You, 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 I'll give you a better one. Even with Nike back then, they didn't want you to be a sneaker in an apparel store. Wow. <laughs> Think about it back then. Uh, yeah. Right? It was like a difference. Like mm-hmm. it was the thing. So yeah, like here comes social status. Yo. Okay. Same same store or a totally different, like, you know, you changed Flavor Factory to Social Status? So what happened was, is there was two Flavor Factory locations. Okay. I closed one down in the recession, mm-hmm. right? And what I'd done was, um, I actually launched Social Status in Pittsburgh for the okay. first store. The lease for the lease for Flavor Factory was going to end in three months. And to be honest with you, I wasn't 100% sure that Social Status would work. Mm-hmm. At least in a way, at that time, I'm past 30 now. Okay. Right? And I'm saying, this retail thing needs to really work. Like, because I understand, if you know me, you know how measured I am. And you know, um, 
high value return on my time, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I also knew what my capacity was to earn. So I felt like if I couldn't maximize my capacity to really, really do what I wanted to do in retail mm -hmm. and align with the right partners, and you know this well, right? If, 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 if certain, certain brands won't align with you, you can't force it. Yeah. And I wasn't gonna burn another five years trying to force it. And at the time, I'm just being honest, I had a Nike account, but Nike wasn't fucking with me, mm -hmm. right? And there was other brands who, you know, they looked at me as like, mm, you the hood, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're or, putting you in a box. They, yeah, they put me in a box. Yeah. So, um, it's I, almost like they're, it, you feel like it's their job to put you in a box almost. Yeah, even that, that's still the problem. That's one of the biggest problems today. today. Still, yeah. still, they still, still try to put you in a box. Right. Um, but yeah, I said, uh, and when you, just for people who are listening who don't really understand the full business, when you say you had a Nike account, but they weren't fucking with you, that means they weren't elevating the product. They were just giving, yeah, you get to look at this stuff, right? Yeah, Is that what go, you mean? Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Go Here's down there in the basement and uh, <laughs> there's a dusty bookshelf. Look under there. Yeah. That's what you get. Those are yours. Right. Don't look up. You can't have any of that stuff. Yeah, don't look up. No, don't do that. Uh, told you not to look right. up. You're not getting it. Right. Told you not to look up. When you say, hey, what's this? Yeah, nope. No, that's not for you. Yeah. You're not getting that. But yeah, no. Nah, um, my man Kenny Lee was in Pittsburgh working at the villa. This is when Villa was still small. Mm -hmm. And he's telling me like, man, yo, Jay, they're killing them up here. And we don't got to. He's hitting me for apparel. Yeah. He's hitting me. He's buying for them. He's hitting me to ask me, what am I doing for apparel? And I'm like, yo, why aren't you doing this? But they had the crazy Nike account, Uh huh. right? Yeah. Zero apparel though. Mm -hmm. And on the apparel side, I'm locked in. Yeah. I got everything. Right. Name it, I got it. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? We running through it. Yeah. He like, man, Jay, come home. This is like, it's crazy if you look at it, if you think into the story, right? No, yeah, it I know. Sounds I'm kinda picturing crazy, you right? right now, like, wait, go back to Pittsburgh? Like, go, go to the crib and I'm thinking about it and, Ah, <laughs> fuck it. So I go home mm -hmm. and open flavor, open social status. Yeah. In between, I had to argue with John Pine, I never forget, and get him. You remember when they would put accounts on Nike.net where you had no sales rep? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just was on the screen? Yeah. That was me. Right. <laughs> so I had to get him to approve this store in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And I remember he said to me, uh, you know what, ultimately, I don't think this is gonna work, but it's your money. Mm -hmm. I'm like, trust me, it's gonna work. Boom. It worked. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Wow, how do you take that advice and just be like, thank you, but I'm still gonna do this shit? Oh man, you know, I guess we built for it, right? Yeah. I guess, you know, we, in some ways, he could have been right. Yeah, and he, in some ways, when I hear that, I know sort of I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, and even <laughs> and even I don't think he said it with any shade. I think he was just saying it like, "Yo, like protecting you." Yes, yeah. like yes. This is because what he was saying to me, giving you more context is this is a lot of money you're investing mm -hmm. in a market for where kids typically aren't into the things that you sell. Yeah, right. you sure you want to do this? Right, you have to educate those kids now. Not only just get them to buy. Yes. Yeah. So here we come. I never forget. Uh, April 11th, 7 p.m., 2011, 27,000, two hours. It's like, yep, we got something. Wow. 27,000 in sales in two hours of the store. Two hours. Two hours. Damn. Murdered it. Home showed out for me. 
it was a combination of be, it being home. Yeah. Like home. And no trouble? Home. No, it, was just, it just felt good, yo. That's dope. It felt good. You come home and home show up for you. Uh-huh. And uh, you know what happened after that? Everybody's like, oh, what is this thing? But here comes here comes Charlotte. Yeah. We move. I remodel the old Flavor Factory location, to 15, 19 Central Avenue. Mm-hmm. Change it into social status. Open. Another yeah. bomb go off. Boom. <laughs> right? So, yeah. And then, like, the secret. Like, I think the other little things, like, there's a lot of other things when you look back on the story. Frank Cook, who was at Wish, was at Wish. In Atlanta. Yep. In Atlanta. And at a key time, because there was times. And a lot of kids listening to this know only of Frank Cook as. Oh, Jordan. Oh, jo- yeah, the wave IG man. Jordan. The yeah. IG Cooker. No, this, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is little bro. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is, yeah, no, this is, you know. And uh, I still think, I think people who don't know me, I think I get pegged a lot of ways and I don't know all the different ways I get pegged. But Frank, Frank's always been the cool guy to the streetwear kid. Mm-hmm. Or I think the dudes who respect me or uh, I think everyone respects me. I, I one, one million percent make sure that. But the kids who look at me don't look at me, look at me more entrepreneurial than they do cool. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Which is all good, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But what Frank was instrumental in doing, I think at the time, was he moved to Charlotte when he seen what I was doing. Okay. And what he was instrumental in doing was saying like, yo, big bro's shit. Like yeah. kind of just shined a light. He came in and shined a light. He kind of he came in and shined a light on it. And he ended up needing to move back to Atlanta because Taco was born a son. He found mm-hmm. out he was having a son and he went back to Atlanta. But that sequence of things, yeah, right, it just set a bomb off. To your to your point before, where you said people look at you as like the entrepreneurial guy versus the cool guy, yeah. it reminds me of uh, of something that I heard Dre from Foundation say once, and he's like, "I never want to be the coolest guy in the room because that dude's broke." <laughs> <laughs> you look at you go into any room, any dinner, that cool ass fly dude. Yeah, he's probably broke. struggling. Yeah, I mean, I'm allergic to broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, the whole cool versus, the whole cool versus, and I think this new kid too is a little more entrepreneurial than some of the cool guys mm-hmm. that came up in our era, right? Because back then I think cool meant you couldn't make money, right? Yeah. Like now and I think uh, with the internet and social media, it's allow you to be able to keep your integrity yeah. and still be able to make some money, which is which is a little more refreshing, right? Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, now there's almost no such thing as selling out. No. Yeah. No. It's, you could sign, you could be like a Chrysler spokesperson. People in the comments are like, yo, you killing it. Like, true. In our era, that'd be like, what? Yeah, you, you look crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, bro. You got problems? You yeah, need you, help? You with Chrysler? <laughs> you, that's a tough decision, bro. Right. You sure you all right? You want to talk? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, man, so... Okay, so you got social status, which is killing it. But then what was the impetus for needing to elevate one more notch up for the next iteration of retail? I walked in the store and couldn't shop anymore. Your own store? Yes. When I walked in my own store. All right. Fresh That's off a good of a, indicator. Yeah, you fresh off of a, you fresh off of a uh, Paris trip or fresh off of a Japan trip. Mm-hmm. And you know what you want to wear. Yeah. It's in your head, right? And you know, you know this, yep. right? And you run in the store and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Your own shop. Your own shop. Yeah. And you're saying like, what the fuck am I doing? 
Mm-hmm. I, if I can't service me, then who am I servicing and why? It's the first time. It's, it's a. It, it's a trigger for age. Yeah. It's showing a. Your taste is changing. Mm-hmm. You're usually getting older. Now we both know you're starting to make some some money. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's changing the way you move a little bit. And then you start to look up around you, and you say it's not just me. Uh huh. There's other guys that feel this way. Right. And here comes I'm in year. Mm-hmm. Right. What year was that? It was 2012. I actually started feeling that way, which was because social status social status happened so fast. Yeah. It was five stores, and it wasn't even a year. How come you never made the move to like NY, LA, like? Man, because they up here fighting each other. <laughs> Were, were you consciously like thinking, I'm just going to let those guys. Yeah, man, y'all have it out. You got blood running down your face, bro. Get that blood <laughs> off your face. That guy's about to come sneak you. The competition, man. dudes. Yeah. And I'm not scared of competition, so mm-hmm. don't take it that way. But it's like. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Why do I want to come out with the like looking around the corner like, man, I'm going to get to the corner store before I fight today. I'm yeah. tired. I don't feel like it. Yo, on this island, like seriously, we are like on an island. Yes. And it's like, you know. Yes. Lord of the Flies. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and the sad part about it is when you start looking out, you, and you're competing, every, you're, you're competing against retailers, you're competing against brands. Mono comp- stores, yeah. yeah it, it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everybody. Yes, there's more consumers, there's more influence, mm-hmm. there's more opportunity for sure, Yeah, which we can talk about later too. Um, but yeah, there's advantages and disadvantages of not being in a city. And one of the advantages is... Um, it gave me the ability to sit in Charlotte alone and learn. Yeah. If I was at war mm-hmm. with someone, they would have just killed me. Yeah. Right? Right. But because I was the only dude out there, I could sit out there on that island and learn and get strong and build the muscle. And now that I've built the muscle, I can get global. Particularly in this industry, you hear a lot about the epicenters of the world. New York, Paris, Tokyo, London, L.A., etc. And you don't need to be a geography major to understand that while a lot of the culture may have been birthed in these key cities, most of the population doesn't live there. And because of the internet and social media, you no longer have to reside in one of those cities to appreciate the culture. One of the questions we get asked most often is, Jeff, I'm not from New York, I'm not from L.A., and I'm from so-and-so small city, how do I make my mark in this world? As James Whitner from the Whitaker Projects in Pittsburgh did, you use that to your advantage. Take that negative and turn it into a positive for your business. And when you do it right, like he said, the hometown shows up for you. And soon, the whole world. Do you feel like the brands also felt like you're the only one representing out there on this level? So like if you want, if you're like a Nike or a clothing brand and you want to have exposure out there, there's not that many choices. Yeah. I mean, I think back then I was right. But now like I try to dispel that rumor now. I'm I'm the first person in a meeting who will say when somebody say New York only, I'd be like, oh, what the fuck am I in the room? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because I think gone are the days. Yes. 2005 happened. 2006. My process was my process to learn. Mm -hmm. But my team is the shit. Like we're we're really good and passionate about what we do. Yeah. So now I don't want to. Now what you fight is, well, New York, L.A., Chicago, like man, 
miss me with that. <laughs> like the, the world is flat now. The internet's made the world flat. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. New York is the most influential market on the planet, right? But the world is still flat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which means I get it. You have to have a focus there, but you can't be singularly focused mm-hmm. in New York City. Yeah. Yep. Eh. And it used to be like, if it was hot in New York and Tokyo, it might take six, nine months to get to your city. Now hey. it's six, nine days. Minutes. Mi- yeah, minutes maybe. Yeah, minutes. Yeah. What's, like, yo, it's, what's, what's there is there. And, and don't get me wrong. I think, uh, I think there's cool shit that happens in, um, in New York. Like, look at the emergence of like Kith. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, it came out of nowhere, really. Mm-hmm. Right? Ronnie came. He caught people all completely off guard. Yeah. Which was, which was kind of his like secret sauce, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's seen him coming. Yeah. New York allows that to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because without taking anything away from Ronnie, right? He was murdering it. Yeah. But the market amplified it. Mm-hmm. He might have had a 22, but that 22 felt like an AK every time an ASIC dropped. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The market allows that to happen. Right, right. Nice. Um, okay, so you got, do you have any staff that started at, from day one and like is still with you? Micah is the closest. Man, he left and came back like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for different reasons. But, but. I, I asked that because I could just imagine that like besides you, like the people who would understand Flavor Factory, social status, and Alma Manier, like that's a very wide mental capacity. Yeah, Micah's the only one that was there from um, from the top, mm-hmm. from the top of, uh, from Flavor Factory. And, and he obviously, he was there at Flavor Factory, went work for a bank, was there at social status, Yeah, went and started his own thing. Then he had like a a, a tragic injury kind of, mm-hmm. and then just came back recently. Now he's our retail director. And that's the reason why I was able to handle That's the, actually the reason why I could bring him in without a thought because yeah. he'd seen every point. Right. He hadn't seen, I'm a mid-year APB prosper, but he had seen Flavor Factory, social status, and um, and I knew he could learn. He And he knows me well. Mm-hmm. So I knew he could learn I'm a mid-year APB prosper, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you feel like every time you, for lack of a better word, like upgraded to the next banner store, mm-hmm. did you feel like people kept trying to be like keeping you down in the previous slot? Yeah. Yes. 100%. I think only now I felt like opening living was the first time where people weren't shocked. What, what did you say? Openly living? Uh, open, open, open. I'm a I mean, year living. The hotel. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, when we when I done the hotel. Yeah. I think there are people. This family was like, no, nah, that's what this dude does. Uh huh. Yeah. It was family like where people weren't trying to like. And, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong. There's still enough people still trying to keep me in the box. <laughs> right. I mean, just there are just some people now. Yeah. I don't think that I, I don't think in this business people ever really believe in you. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, it, when you're in this business. I think there's a constant trip on your shoulder, and people are constantly trying you. Yeah. And I say all the time, I say it to my team all the time, um, the 25-year-old version of me is trying to kill the 40-year-old version of me. Yeah. So it's my job to kill him first. Damn. Yeah. I think in this this industry, people look at you and they're like, yeah, that's not whack. Yeah. Like, nice job for not doing a whack thing. Exactly. Right? That's like, like, that's a compliment. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's, oh. You see the kind of like, oh, that's actually not whack. Oh yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh you, oh oh you 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 did done that? A, you done a, a whole building, the whole all six <laughs> floors, hotel and retail. Huh? Yeah, mm. 
I guess that it is. It's not bad. It's all right. It's, all, it's okay. You, you're doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that, that's what on the wall. Oh, no. no that's, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, too. Sorry. Talk about a crazy journey. In this one episode, we've gone from being shot to being jailed to being destined to remain in a relentless game of the street hustle to designing and building a hotel and retail establishment on the back of 17 other operations. It's astonishing. And almost crazier than that is what we're talking about here. The acclaim won't come from the audience. If you're waiting for a standing ovation, you're gonna be waiting a very long time. In this world, you have to learn how to give yourself that satisfaction. You have to be grateful. You and only you can find that happiness. In a recent episode with Van Styles, the question of what is enough came up. What really makes us happy and proud in this life? When is enough enough? The answer is different for everyone. And the most commendable thing is to find someone who's happy with where they're at in life. And to do that, well, it requires a healthy dose of personal perspective. James is grateful for the ride. But like he says here, be careful. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can give you what you need to be happy. And like everything else, that's all on you. Do you ever like sit back and zoom out a little bit and like remember you on the hospital bed and then where are you at now? Mm, not enough. No? You just too in it? You're in I, the eye I, of the storm. Man, that's a, another, another one that I say. If you've ever been in Vegas, which yeah. obviously you've had, mm -hmm. I, I I say, being in being an entrepreneur is a lot like being at the crap table. Mm -hmm. You ever been at the crap table when you've been up? Mm -hmm. I mean up. Until you actually make it home, not at the airport, <laughs> not on the plane. <laughs> You're right. Until you make it home, mm -hmm. and the money is in your drawer, have you won? Right. I'm still at the crap table, baby. <laughs> so you could be me, at the airport with 10 minutes to boarding. Don't make it. There's a slot. In there's Vegas, a slot machine right, right there. in front of you. Right. <laughs> so for me, like, you know, obviously circumstances are a lot different. But for me, man, no, it's, I'm still here. I'm still I'm still present. I'm still a part of the business. I'm still mm -hmm. in the game. Yeah. So I got to win. Mm -hmm. And I still got to, you know, like success is um, success is a relative term because for me, you're never actually successful until it's over. What it's is your, so what is your definition of success? Ask me once it's over. I think, I think, we've, I think I've made personally a lot of progress. I think uh, I've been blessed to get people on my team who care or start to care as much as I care. Yeah, you get and a, supporting, like, you know, you're creating livelihoods. Absolutely. You get a Cav who came in uh, 2000 and whatever three years ago was, I can't even keep counting no more, 2015, right? You start, you get a Joe, you get a Micah, you get, you get a Nate, you get Mike, you get all of these people who come in, hmm. Megan's my, I can just, I don't want to name 200 people, right? <laughs> yeah. But you get all these people who come in and they give a fuck. Yeah. Right? Right. And they're inspired. Yeah. And they want to win. Mm -hmm. Like, man, you start to like, yo, it's, I've been doing this for 14 years, but I feel like it's day one. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People ask me, like, what do you think, like, you're successful now? I'm like, you know what? When I felt success, when one of my dudes just 
you know, we're in the cafeteria or whatever. And he just said, like, I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, you know, I'm like redoing my bathroom right now. Yes. And I was like, it, like to him, he's just redoing the bathroom. But to me, I went back to the kid silk screening shirts and now you're redoing your bathroom off of this thing. And I like, I got shook for a second because I was like, holy shit, I can't stop working because you need to finish your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> i give you another one. It's a good one. Every time I see our payroll, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> we pay that out? <laughs> Yo, yeah. It comes out of my account? That's scary, crazy. Right? Scary. Did you hear the uh, my episode with Hiroshi? No. He said, like, one, he doesn't do his taxes and shit, but one time the letter was open and he accidentally saw the amount that he has to pay the government for taxes, like hey. his tax payment. And he was like, what? <laughs> like he got so fucking scared. He said, like, I never want to look at this again. Yeah, no, you, you start to look at, you start to look at the cumulative sales figures and you start looking at the business. Mm -hmm. And how much you got to turn. And how much you got to turn, man. I Just to keep the lights on. I like, don't look at that shit. People <laughs> want to look at that every day. Yeah. I, but if you back out of it the other way, right? It's it's just the ideas, the sparks, it's the small things, mm -hmm. and they lead to such. That's the dope part. So when you make a a, a growth decision like mm -hmm. the hotel or a new store, how much of you is analytical in that decision making process versus gut? Mm, it's probably seventy thirty. Seventy thirty gut. Yeah, seventy gut, and the thirty is to back up my gut. Because okay. my gut yeah. is just making sure I don't burn the house down. That's what I say in it. That's what I say. That's what I say. Like, yo, we can never burn the house down. Mm -hmm. Like, my gut is just making sure, like, yo, if we doing this out of love, let's not sink the ship. Yeah. Like, how do we not sink the ship? And the 30 is just checking that. Yeah. The yeah. 30 is just making sure we don't sink the ship. Right. Right. Because if you're doing it out of love, love is what turns into revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's what's been my experience. Yeah. The things that I love and the things that get me excited and things that make me really anxious and jumpy and wanna, those are the things that's, that, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. But I can't sink the ship to your, to your point. We got people, we got payrolls, yeah. and people and kids who count on us now. So you can't just from the gut, like, I'm opening a store on Pluto. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing this. Like, right. no. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. That's a good check, though. 70 30. I like that. Yeah, 70 30. I heard, I heard once Elon Musk from Tesla say that as long as I can afford instant ramen noodles, I'm going to do this thing. Oh, yeah. He's a G. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, a G. he's like, I can live off of ramen. I'm good. Yeah. And <laughs> I wanted to say 100, but I would have been lying. No, yeah. I'm too calculated. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, it, the thirty, the thirty percent is definitely to calculate it. Yeah, I would say I'm about the same, maybe eighty twenty gut. Okay. Like I'll do a calculation, but like for example, not in Excel. Like I'll do it on like a napkin. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just be like, yeah, that feels about right. Yeah, I, think I could do this. Like hold on, let me see if I can. Yeah. that's how I done the hotel. Like to see the morning. Yeah, about this, and, uh, and then you know what? I'll, I'll be like. You know, worst case, I'll double this number just to make it like real bad, right? <laughs> like, there's no logic to that. I'm just, no. I'm just gonna double this. Yeah, you just, and you like, okay, can feels we, good. Yeah, it feels good. Like, yeah. what's, what's, what, how, what's it? How did payroll come in the first time? <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. we made it. Yeah, we made it. Uh, real quick, what does the future look like? Do you how how far in advance do you think in the future? Do you have like a five year uh, Whitaker Group plan? Yeah, I think I think five year. I think I have a five year plan, but mm -hmm. I think in a business we works. The, the climate changes, but I think for us, it's more about building our experiences. Mm -hmm. Like we we just launched Amma Year Living. Yeah. So next is Amma Year Eats mm -hmm. in Houston, and um in Houston. Yeah. First foray into Houston. 
No, no, we're already in Houston with okay. social status. Okay. Um, in our major markets outside of DC, we try to be duplicitous. Is that is that the word that the smart people would use? What does that mean? It's, uh, you went it's above like two me. times or something okay. like that. Like multiple <laughs> locations. <laughs> Mad locations. Yeah, man, it's super. <laughs> but no. Uh, you still have the Pittsburgh one? Yeah, I don't. But yes. That's dope. Yes, both. Nice. Yeah, glued to them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it's it's all about experience. So it, from, from Ama Minier, it's, uh, it's about growing those experiences and making sure like the shit that we think is like dope through our lens. So it's, it's about living, eats, lounge. And for us, it's, it's consumer and community. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm, a lot of me wants to make sure I speak to the old person that I was. That makes sense. And I want to try to change and speak to the consumer that way. All the consumers, right? Yeah. Because I think we all have our struggles and we all got things that we deal with. So for social status, we're... Um, when you say the old person that you were, you mean the kid. Yeah, the You kid. want to speak to the kid. The kid. Yeah. I think... That I, hasn't been the Tokyo. Yes, the, yes, the eight, the eight, the eight, the eight, nine, 10, 11, 12-year-old mm-hmm, kid mm-hmm. that's glued and don't really understand and yeah. whose parents aren't in the best position. Right. And even parents... Oh, that's the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. right? Everything, I just want to be able to communicate to the kid. Yeah. And with social status, we're doing be social. Mm-hmm. And that's going to give us a platform to really be able to communicate to the kid. And I just want to, I want to, I want to build with the youngins, man. I want to, I want to, the older I get, the more I want to communicate with the youngins and how to try to inspire them through our experiences and learn from them mm-hmm. so I can understand how they view the future yeah. and try to help them partner with them in creating what the future looks like right. and the future and what energy looks like and how, how that looks through their lens. Like, yeah. you know, have a shared view of what the future looks like and ultimately follow your gut and what feels good. Mm-hmm. That's like, like the reason why I do this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving out the secret recipes. Now you take it and you cook something new with yes. it. I want to know what you could cook with this shit. I said before the mics was on, like you were the perfect person to disarm all of us. <laughs> Like Jeff, just you have a conversation and you just like, what did I say? Right. I said that. Uh, how did Jeff make you say that? <laughs> with a mic in my with face? With a mic in my face? <laughs> yeah. So let's um let's switch gears now to the culture as a whole. Okay. All right. So you've been through from when Nike was shading you on shit and you oh. couldn't look. Now you have carte blanche. Seriously, you think I got carte blanche? Yeah. I think so. I don't think I got carte blanche. I still think. There's another door. There's another door with a lock man, on it. Man, listen, until, until I'm sitting in the room with Mark and Phil. <laughs> <laughs> You're close. Yeah, yeah, man, I don't know about that, bro. But, but I, I think. And like, you know, apparel too. Like you talk about like the, the Japanese brands in Paris and everything. Like you are a figure in those cities now. Like, yeah, you know, you're not like. And I got a trick me, sir, up like, my sleeve. Oh, yeah. I got a trick up my sleeve. I can't. It's too early. Okay. But I'm working on, um, let's just say I'm really working on breaking through luxury. Mm. At, yes. That's probably, the, that's probably the, okay. the most vague I can say. All right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But so now that you've seen all of the levels, right? And mm-hmm. there's, there's not a lot of people in this world that have seen from the young you, Pittsburgh, yeah. right? To... Flavor Factory to social status to Ama Manier to all the international brands and experience that you've seen. So, what is your take right now on where fashion and footwear is right now? You are you like excited about the state of it, or are you like this well, it's, fuck? It's, it's 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 twofold, right? Mm-hmm. On, on one half of it, it's this exciting pot of stew mm-hmm. 
that it's all getting thrown in. Yeah. And it's coming out with like Hermes at Hype Fest and allegedly, <laughs> right? Or or Kim Jones in mm-hmm. Complex Con. Like, yeah. That sounds crazy. Yeah. Virgil at Virgil at Louis Vuitton. Right. Like, think about this. Virgil's from Chicago. Yeah. Right. He, does, he doesn't rap. <laughs> right. Right. Like, think about what we are. Like, yo. Every time I see Virgil, like, DJing at some grimy ass nightclub, I'm like, they hired this dude to be like the artistic director of LV and they don't care. Like, no, they don't care. He's normally, still DJing. That would get you fired. Yes. And he's DJing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like they said, no, keep being you. Please don't stop. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's just a new day. Yeah. And then even look at what Alessandro's doing at Gucci. Mm-hmm. He basically came back to Gucci and said, yeah, so guys, we're going to go back to the 80s and we're going if you like it or not. Yeah. And it, this shit explodes. Right. Look, look at, at where we are. Look at Balenciaga. It's like. Yes. Like, man, look at like you, you start to look at where we are. Like, yo. I just did a show in China, like Staple, mm-hmm. across from Staple, right across five feet, Chanel. That's crazy. And I was and, just like, what? Where are we? <laughs> what planet is this? Yes. And it's, it, it makes sense. That's the mix now. Mm-hmm. So when you, when, you, when you look at what the world is now, that part's exciting. Yeah. The other part about it is there's still barriers, yo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy. As much as, as much as it's there in front of us, mm. it's still hard to break through. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side is like, how far is hype going to go? Mm-hmm. Like you got StockX and reseller and this and that. Like, what is that going to mean to the business five years from now? And how does that evolve the business? And how does Do you it think it's here to stay? Resell? Yeah, I don't think resell's ever going nowhere. Yeah, me too. As I long agree. as long as there's as long as there's like for years, uh, it, it's it's someone who makes products' job to make sure you undershoot demand. Mm-hmm. So they're literally demand planning. It's yeah. their job. Yep. So with that being said, there will always be yeah. less, there'll be always be less product than there is demand. So mm-hmm. that means it's going to always be resale. Right, right. Nice. Um, yeah, you mentioned walls too. And I think there's definitely more walls and like, you know, it reminds me of like, um, I interviewed Samuel Ross from a cold wall mm-hmm. and, you know, no pun intended with wall, but he said that from where he came from and he came from like the ends of London, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the hood of London, when he finally got accepted quote unquote, by the fashion world, he realized that there was like this wall that tries to keep people out. Yes. Yeah. I'm literally going through it now. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a place waiting for a decision that if it goes through, it'll make me feel like the wall's coming down. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it'll just make me feel like the wall's always there. Yeah. And, and I think, but I think in our world, there's always one of those. If you're pushing forward, you're always, you get through one wall only to go get to another wall and you get through one wall only to get to another wall. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah. And sometimes it's because there's an old guard in place. Yeah. And they're just trying, they're scared of the new. Yeah. You know, so, they're like, no, I don't want, I don't want you in this place. And even when you're looking at some of the places where the new guard is, mm-hmm. there's still someone there who's trying to hold up and protect what they felt like that company was built on. And they're not wrong for that. Yeah. But things have to change and evolve the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think they have to realize like people like me and you really care about the brands we partner with. Like yeah. when I come and step into a space and I ask to carry your brand, it's not because I'm trying to get some money. Mm-hmm. I, ultimately, that's going to be the result. Yeah. But I want to build a long-term relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to speak to my consumer through your brand, yeah, right? Yep. And the same when I'm building my own, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to have a true partnership. 
And for me, when we work together, it's a we proposition. Yeah. When I work with a brand, it's never about me or them. It's about we. Right, yeah. right. When I, when I collaborate with a brand, I sometimes tell like the CEO, I hate to tell you this, but I care about your brand more than your employees do. Yes. They're here nine to five, clock in, clock out. I'm thinking about your brand on Sunday night. Yes. They're not. <laughs> yes, especially when, especially when you're looking to be around forever. Like for us, like, you mean us? Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Like this is what this is how I feed my yeah, kids. Right. Like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I do for a living. I yeah. hustle. This is this is I'm going to be in this business. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm thinking long. Yeah. So when I go sit down in the strategy meeting, some of these people were in these jobs for 18 months, two years, three years. Mm -hmm. So they thinking they, about they, are, they got they got their LinkedIn up and like they're looking for the next job. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. back at the ranch. <laughs> We sitting here, like, right? Yeah. Like, because regardless of where you go, and this sales rep leaves, or this president leaves, or this person comes mm -hmm. and goes, our name is still there. We're still here. Yeah. 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 So you know, and conversely, on the other side, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to throw shade or like throw anyone on the bus. I understand why. You know, you got the guy that you mentioned; he's been there for two years. You got the other guy that's been there for 35 years. He's two years from retirement. Yeah. He's just trying to get that pension to get that 401k. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> man, it's, it, it, it gets. Man, it gets, it gets, that's, that's the corporate politics of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get, like you said, the two years versus 35, who cares how much, when and where, depending upon how much pressure they getting. Like, man, that's the part, that's the part that, that's the icky part of the business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but can you read those people when you enter a room? Oh, man. <laughs> I can imagine just because of the people that you've dealt with all through your life, like. And the sad part about it is most of them don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do now, I guess, after this interview. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. People playing checkers, you playing chess. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Cool, man. Well, thank you. Thank you for this. this yeah, is yeah, no, 100%. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, boy. Yep. Peace, man. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to this incredibly insightful episode with the street disciple of retail, James Whitner. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I personally use Anchor FM. Also, give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to tell us what you think of the show. It definitely helps out a lot. You can also reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. And we occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, you can email it in to questions at businessofhype.com. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check them out at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Novetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers Berry. And our intern is Sydney Puckampora. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Radio. That went super fast. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>